Welcome to Engaging Parenting, the Bridgeway podcast on parenting kids and teens. We're here to talk specifically about the glorious and terrifying work of parenting teenagers in our culture, why being spiritually and culturally informed is essential, and discussing practical tips on how you can parent confidently and watch your teenagers thrive. My name is Pastor Cliff, and I'm here with Pastor Matt. And our guest, uh, again, just like our last episode, is Ryan Huxley. And we're so glad having you here. And uh, this topic is so important for us to understand. So let's just dive in. Yeah. So last time we were talking about the youth exodus, and Ryan kind of talked a little bit of his work and his um, definition, understanding of that, um, because there's so many people that have been researching this, tracking this, writing on this. um, And it's something that we have to be concerned about as a church, as parents. Um, and we talked a lot about the why are students leaving um, and the and the role of even belief and practice. Where does Christian worldview come in? Where does Christian practice um, come in? Where does belief, um, what's the core of belief? And so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, we'd encourage you to go back and listen to yep, it. Absolutely. Just so that you're kind of up to date with what we're talking about. And uh, and so, and then Ryan works with uh, Ratio Christie. Um, am I saying that right? Yes. So, okay. so it's like pistachio, ratio, yeah. ratio Christi. <laughs> I mean, it's Latin. I know that. Yes. And I was like. The reason for Christ. Yes. So, um, and so, um, so what's good is like, as we're going into this um, episode today, we're, we're kind of going to continue talking about the same aspect of the youth exodus, but we want to talk about some of the reasons that we shared last time for why students have left and how some of them relate to things that are apologetic. And so, so Ryan, can you kind of because that's part of what you guys do in that ministry, what's part of your heart. And, and I think you did some, you did a certificate program at Talbot in their apologetics program. Biola actually. Through, oh. So through, through Biola, I have a certificate in apologetics. Then I also went through Norman Geisler's Institute of uh, International Legacy of Apologetics. And so I have a diploma in that as well. So nice. Yeah. So, so um, you can, know your stuff. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's walk through. Can you kind of explain to everyone a little bit about um, first, what what apologetics is generally, but then also where that applies with the reasons that students leave and some of the things that come up for the youth exodus. Yeah. yeah, right. So, so first of all, apologetics is not saying, "Gee, I'm sorry." That's not the art of how to say I'm <laughs> Very sorry. Apologetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, apologetics actually comes from the Greek term apologia, and it's probably best exemplified in the scriptures in. First Peter 3.15, set apart Christ as Lord, but always be prepared to provide a defense, that apologia, for the hope that you have within you, but do so with gentleness and respect. Yeah. I often struggle with the last part at times, but anyhow, <laughs> so that's uh, so that's what apologetics. And so the, the scriptures do point that out. I mean, you can also see it in Jude 3 about contending for the faith. I felt important to, to contact you to, for, to earnestly contend for the faith and so on. And there's other, other scriptures as well, but it, it's part of what the Bible commands us to do is to defend mm-hmm. our hope that we have within us so that then others will understand why we have the hope. Why should they believe what we believe? Do we have good reasons for that? What are the historical, philosophical, and scientific reasons for being a Christian? What are those? And so in a sense, that's a, in a nutshell, that's what apologetics is really getting at. Great. Um, and so how have you seen the connections happen with the apologetics coming into why some students have left, why some of the, you know, within the youth exodus, some of the reasons have to do with them not having, not having that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. So with some of the studies that have been done, so we talked last time about some of uh, the reasons identified by Barna. And so some of those reasons that can tie back into apologetics would be a shallow experience of Christianity. So giving them a better, a meteor understanding, like you talked about in the last episode, 
rather than just the milk version. Give yeah. them some meat. Yeah. yeah. And then churches are antagonistic to science. And you talked a bit about that. So helping them to understand how when it comes to science, often with the way that it's understood today, it actually has a philosophical naturalism tied in with it, uh, which is a metaphysical view. In other words, even in some state science standards, they'll say that science is the study of natural phenomenon as a result of natural causes. Well, as soon as you put that as a result of natural causes, now you've suddenly piggybacked a philosophy onto the way that science is understood and practiced and so on. And that's where, and, and the philosophical naturalism, metaphysical naturalism, that's essentially the atheist worldview. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so rarely do schools even acknowledge that that's often how this is being taught with that as the undergirding idea. And so that's really what's at odds with theism. And so that's where it's not really so much science because if we have general revelation about God and looking at the world around us, as Psalm says, and as well as in uh, Romans, then we should, through our scientific studies, find confirmation and things that are aligned with design, something that's a result of a mind and so on, mm-hmm. as opposed to it all came about through some unguided natural process. So anyhow, so, so those, that, that's where you sometimes see, so that's an area where there's a, apologetic value. And then another area is the exclusive nature of Christianity, Jesus, the only way. Ooh, that gets into relativism <laughs> in yeah. that topic. Uh, and then the church feels unfriendly to doubters. Do students feel safe to express their doubts? And how can they ask questions? Well, wait, what about this? I'm learning this in school, like you were sharing mm-hmm. in the last one. And it seems like I'm hearing something different here. Well, yeah. I, I see the conflicts. How do I resolve that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember uh, we've a number of times in the youth ministry, both Cliff's done it and then, you know, I've done it before. I know a lot of other youth groups do it as well, but to speak through those aspects of doubt and uncertainty and, and sometimes to encourage students that, hey, it's okay to ask questions. And, and I know yeah. one thing that we would always Crucial. clarify with students is doubt is not the opposite of belief. Yeah, exactly. I would say unbelief is the opposite of belief. Yeah. Doubt just means that you have questions and the, the healthy side of that can be that, they're gonna, that those questions make them go look for answers yeah. so that they understand and have that deeper defense. Yeah, Whereas, doubt, doubt yeah. can be a good thing sometimes. Yeah, the ants I mean, the pants. every every uh, disciple had doubt. It wasn't just doubting Thomas. Every every disciple had doubt at some point in their ministry with Jesus, if not ninety percent of it. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, and then look at how Jesus responded. Did he did he say to Thomas, "How dare you? Yeah. doubt me. Yeah, no. He He's, he says, "Oh, here," and he gave him evidence. Gave him proof. Going ahead and touch my side, put your fingers, yep. go on ahead. Give me some fish. Exactly. And then think yeah. about, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Think, think about John when he was in prison and been about to be beheaded and so yeah. on. He, he said, well, are you the real one? Yeah. Did Jesus say, how dare you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, 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 he gave him evidence, it. the blind yeah. see, the yeah. lame walk and so on. So exactly. Yeah. So the, the wonderful thing about truth is that it doesn't matter how much you beat it up or antagonize it or scrutinize it. It's going to stay the same, same because truth. it is yeah. that which is matches reality. Yeah. And Jesus said he is the truth. So that's a wonderful thing about. Yeah. And so that's why it's good to like, I mean, just bring this up that, you know, there's going to be times where there's doubt, but it's what, it's what the church does with when people ask the questions and what we do as parents when we ask the question, when they, when our, when our teens ask the questions, because we need to, we need to be informed ourselves to be able to address this. But, um, but there's a whole nother aspect that you just hinted at a moment ago, and that's the element of relativism. Yeah. And, and that's where there's a, there's a cultural challenge and there's a lot of cultural challenges. And that's what a lot of the things on this podcast were really 
sometimes it's touching on the blessings that are around us that we're able to access and the challenges. Yeah. Um, but one of the cultural challenges is relativism. And can you explain that a little bit for people listening and why it's important to know, especially with the youth exodus? Yeah. Right. So relativism is essentially you, you can sum it up with the ideas. Well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. Everything is relative. There are no absolutes. There is no objective truth and so on. So there's, that's philosophical naturalism as far as there is no truth. Well, you can, that's kind of a self-defeating statement, right? If you think about it, there is no truth. Is that true? Yeah. So, and then <laughs> when it comes like to, it, I don't know. <laughs> Inception. Um, and then there's moral relativism as far as, oh, well, who are you to judge that this is right or wrong? Uh, so we're seeing that also. And then when it comes to religious Relativism, it would be religious pluralism. Oh, well, there's just many paths to up the mountain, or there's a hub and all these spokes. And so there's this belief by a lot of young people that accepts that now. That seems to just be the norm of belief. And so one of the reasons why this is so dangerous is if there is no, well, here, here's the bit, the, the, really the nutshell summary of why relativism is so damaging and so dangerous is it essentially makes the gospel powerless. Because mm. if there is no real sin, then there's nothing to be forgiven for. Then there's no need to rely on what Christ did on the cross for us. Yeah. That's the danger. That's good. Yeah. 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 There's a lot. I mean, there's so much, so much danger in that. I would agree with you. I mean, it's this, this idea of saying, yeah, you do you, right? We say, we've said this a lot in this, in this podcast, you do you, I'll do, I'll do whatever I want. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not healthy. In our youth culture trends and issues class at Jessup, we, we show a video clip that epitomizes this really well from Portlandia because it's a whole thing that shows you what that would look like if it goes to its fullest extent. And it's like a character living in an apartment that the guy's playing the music too loud. She goes over to talk to him and he's just like, Hey, I'm just doing my, doing me. You do you, I'll do me. She goes back and then the next day she hears him like hitting someone and she like tries to open the door and he's just like, I'm just living my dream. I'm doing me. You do you. And then eventually it's like he's murdered someone and the police show up and they are arresting him. And he's just like, I get it. You guys, you're doing your job. You do you. And just let me do me. And the police are like, you know what? You're right. You should just do you. And, and then the, she's like, well, what about me? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you should probably move. Like, but, and it's supposed to be a comical <laughs> wow. way though of going, this is what happens yeah. if this goes to its fullest extent. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, yeah. And it's a, it's a huge piece that's affecting why students can make a choice to go. I don't want to believe this anymore. And if I can add one more thing, um, that just came to my mind when you were sharing on it is one of the things that's even dangerous within kids in the church, um, teens in the church, and even how some of the adults do it is that relativism has has also slid into interpretation, which means that people go, well, that's how you interpret it. And so, so that's where people will still say they're using scripture and they're using the basics of, of Christian belief, but they're, they're using the text for what they want it to be. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we also have to take time to teach our, our teens how to properly read and interpret to understand the meaning of the Bible. So, but let's, let's, that yeah. kind of leads us yeah, into the next steps, right? Exactly. I mean, every time we, we talk about any topic here on this podcast, we want to give you as a parent, um, just some practical tips on how to help what's going on and with this whole youth exodus thing. And before we get to the kind of the parent piece, let's take a step back and even talk about the church. 
So Ryan, I know you've done a lot of research on this and I know Pastor Matt and I have thoughts on this as well, but what can the church do about this whole youth exodus thing? Um, what are some practical ways on on what uh, the church can do? I'll actually answer the question I just asked before we get it. Can you do that? <laughs> I don't even know if that's allowed. I'm doing it anyway. Um, well, the, the first thing um, that I know Ryan would agree on me on is this idea of um, not just focusing on entertaining being an entertainment church, but also more importantly, a training church. Something I really value here at Bridgeway um, is this idea that not only are we encountering Christ, but we're also learning. Mm-hmm. Something we try to do in, in HSM and the youth group that I lead is, um, yes, we want to have fun. Yes, we want to encounter Christ, but also we want to learn scripture. Um, we're in, we we uh, just ended a series about a few weeks ago where we called it the Bible. I think I've talked about this before in our podcast where- It's kind of important. Yeah, we're just going through every book of the Bible and we're, guess what? We're talking about what it says <laughs> and we're learning the whole meta narrative of the Bible um, week by week, book by book, book by book. And it's helpful because kids walk away and like, hey, I'm, I'm learning a little bit about, about the Bible. And it goes back to the apologetics piece and back to the relativism piece because if you know the truth, then you won't be more susceptible to saying you do you. So- that's the first answer to that question is, you know, even if you're moving away or trying to find another church, find a church that not is not only entertainment, but also on a, where you feel like you can grow and more importantly, learn. Mm-hmm. And that addresses that piece um, that comes up in, in all the research, which is that, you know, if there's a weak knowledge base because they're not getting the essentials, um, it starts with training. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's, it starts with the church. But that's also where the parents in the home are supposed to to also epitomize that. And, and I would say that's one of the reasons, I mean, that's one of the catalysts that Pastor Cliff and myself have for this podcast is that we want to partner, we need to partner with you more yeah, because actually, we want to make yep, sure you're exactly. equipped. We want to make sure you're, you're, you're resourced to do that well. Because a lot of us, when it comes to it, we then feel inadequate sometimes to train our kids because then we go, do we, do we know this well enough? Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, that importance of, uh, I know you've talked about it on some of uh, a recent podcast as far as the importance of setting out priorities and to not let the busyness of our lives get in the way of what are the key foundational aspects about what we ought to be focusing on in our relationship with God and through Christ and with others in our family and our community. And don't let these distractions get in the way. Um, So having, focusing on those things is a guiding principle again. Yeah. Um, and critical thinking is part of it, trying to teach students critical thinking, which plays into that apologetic side so much, right? Because, yeah. and, I, and I feel like that's part of what education, like even with the whole move to Common Core, part of it is to try to bring in some of that to go, hey, students for a long time just were told to get the answers. And now we need to remind them how you, how that, you think how the about thought it. process and I works. Think, and I think yeah. a lot of people, we struggled with that because we were like, no, there's just an answer. I, don't, I shouldn't have to explain it. Um, I mean, how does that, how have you seen that come up within the church, within apologetics conversations, Ryan? Like, you know, that, that element of like teaching students how to critically think about these issues. And yeah. Such. Yeah. Well, that when it comes to, sadly, with the way that faith is often understood by many Christians and certainly by those who are even outside is that faith is belief despite evidence. In fact, sometimes you'll even see people talking about that, and it's not mm. really, that's, that's not really the case. I mean, faith is, another way to think of faith is that it's based on trust, 
that's maybe a better way to use yep it is use yeah. that today because of how faith has been so in a sense distorted in so our understanding captured, yes yeah. pretty much um so it's it's really understanding well why do you believe this you know god didn't say oh just as long as you feel that you're christian then you are this is obviously different than say mormonism yeah <laughs> <laughs> um where you're getting that feeling in your bosom and so on so there's actually a reason for that. So being able to explain that and exp- have those reasons and think about it, right? Because as Jesus said, love the guard, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Yep. And sometimes that's missed because of there is often a wonderful worship that's occurring. So it's an emotional experience and so on. And some of the times we go to the, the camps where there's the emotional highs and spiritual highs. And but if we if we win, as one commentator's put it, if we win with emotion we win them to emotion. And that's really not what drives us to a saving faith and a saving trust in Christ and what he did. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things, uh, just for parents that are listening, that you have um, kids at the high school ministry at Bridgeway, one of the things that I've really valued about Cliff is that he cares about training the students. Um, that holistic, like, we're not just gonna, we're not just gonna try to keep you happy and keep you feeling good. We're going to address the core issues, but we're going to teach you about the word. We're going to teach you about dynamics of faith. We're going to teach you on the stuff that we need to be challenged with. And, and I like that because that was my heart as well. And he was continuing that, that same pattern. And it's also some of the heartbeat of Bridgeway. And there's a lot of youth groups that do that, but then there's sometimes a lot of um, youth groups that the, the leaders just haven't received the training themselves that, so yeah. that they do the best that they can with their, with their knowledge base. And that's where, if you're a parent that knows you know, knows scripture, knows belief really well. That's why it's important for you to partner with youth ministries sometimes to be a role to help. Yeah. And and that's why even, you know, Ryan's on this podcast. He's a a parent of one of my students in the ministry and he came up to me and he's like, Hey Cliff, like, let's have this conversation. You know, and we, we say so much on this podcast, like, Hey, there's a partnership here. And, you know, Ryan, you're an example of of what that looks like. You're on this podcast, you guys, because you're like, I care about these teenagers, not just my daughter, but also everybody else there. So, I mean, that kind of transitioned us into the, the next question. I don't know if you're a parent listening to this podcast, you're like, just get to the point that I, I care about. Uh, and that is, what do wh- I do? What do I do as a parent? <laughs> um, if, if my teenager is 17 years old, 18 years old, about to leave high school, we have a feeling they're going to leave the church. What do we do? Um, you know, how do we address this youth, youth exodus? Yeah, and so I that, won't answer this question first. Somebody else go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So the, the, this is a, a, a crucial question because uh, first and foremost, you want to pray and recognize the role you play. Yeah. That is absolutely foundational for parents to understand. because. Study after study after study clearly shows that those who are the most significant influence in their kids' lives are their parents. Do, does that influence wane over time as they get into middle school and high school? Yes, but they are still the biggest influence in their kids' lives. So that's good news and bad news. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of <laughs> Because pressure. we are flawed as yeah. parents. I'm certainly one as well as flawed. So but that, that's first to recognize that and that you can have a significant influence. And that's what all of the studies show. So what kinds, of be, what kinds of behaviors are you modeling for them? Are you modeling that grace overflowing? Are you providing them a safe environment to be able to explore the doubts that they have? Because I can recall, gosh, I, th- I think it was maybe in the 
maybe around wintertime or maybe it was about a year ago when there was that in church survey about how many of you experience doubt during the service. And the, va- the majority of those do experience doubt at some point in their life. Yeah. We need to let our kids know that it's okay to ask questions. Being Please vulnerable. do. Uh-huh. Uh, even acknowledge when we have questions too, when we're uncertain, say, that's a good question. Let me get back to you on that. Yeah. yeah. So learning together. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's such a crucial part of discipling our kids. And we know that puts a lot of you parents on the spot. And that sometimes is what makes it fearful as you go, I don't want to invite it because I'm not sure if I'll know the answers, but just showing your kids you're willing to dialogue, right? And, and speak. And, that, and that's what you're talking about and, and letting them know that you're still maturing and you're still journeying and growing in your understanding to show them that it never stops. Yes. speaks a lot. Yes, indeed. So helping them feel comfortable to be able to ask those questions, talk about those things. Also recognizing that there are influences in their lives. I know that a few podcasts ago, you were talking with the Glucks and as far as the, the picking friends and so friends. on, and what are kinds yep. of the influences that they have there. Exactly. Well, not only are there those friends, but then there's the glowing rectangle. Yes. And how much that influences them. He's talking about a phone. Just so if you didn't know. <laughs> oh, I thought it was like an, I know, Illu- I thought it was like, an Illuminati <laughs> reference yeah. that like went, went, went wrong. Um, I explained that for you. It's not a triangle. Okay. He's talking about the phone. Anyways, continue. Right. Yeah. So smartphone, uh, computer, tablets, and all of these things that not only distract our youth, but often us. Yeah. And, and how are, where there have been some interesting studies that have shown that for a lot of youth these days, they are actually having more difficulty in evaluating and recognizing facial expressions than prior generations because they're getting so locked into just interacting on their smart devices. I see that. And yet the AI has gotten smart enough that it can mimic your facial expressions (laughs) on the phone. So that's kind of scary. Did you know this is totally off topic, but there's a (laughs) new game called NBA 2K20 and that you can scan your face to make it look like you're playing so, so that your player looks like you. Isn't that crazy? The technology that we live in today. It's insane. I've seen worse. Speaking of which, <laughs> video games. <laughs> We've talked about it a lot uh, on this podcast, but that, I mean, video games are another influencer um, and you're in control as the parent. Um, and so many times I feel like on this, on this podcast, we talk about the importance of the role that a parent has on a teenager's life. And I just want to r- remind you as a parent, we believe in you. Yep. You can do this. Um, Pastor Matt and I, and even Ryan would not be here on this podcast talking about this stuff if we didn't think if it was pointless. If we thought it was pointless, we wouldn't even talk about it. But it's so possible for you to learn up on the things that we're talking about and also address it in your teenager's lives. Because not every 18-year-old, when they leave the home, goes away from church. Not every 18-year-old. And I, and I believe that you're... Your teenager who's in high school, maybe even middle school, and be that that you know three or four um, that goes and actually pursues pursues a relationship outside of the home. Before. Yeah, the, yeah, the the that's in Barna's most recent book, The Faith for Exiles. They talk about those who are the roughly the one in ten who are resilient Christians who maintain that belief and yeah. are able to continue. Exactly. Yeah. And and one of the factors that they and then also Kara Powell with Sticky Faith. Yes. And you, um, Fuller Youth Institute, have mm-hmm. talked about is it's the connection with intergenerational relationships. Relationships. You, relationships. Yeah. Here we are again. Yeah, relationships. You, yeah, you need to make so sure <laughs> that your, your teens 
are not just around you, but that they're around healthy adults that are growing in their understanding and in their practice and in their faith and trust with, with Jesus. And yeah. so that's why youth ministry is one place for that. Yeah. But then sometimes it's also getting them around other ministries, other grandparents. access, um, grandparents, um, pe- people that you are going, man, I, Family like, friends. I like what they model. Yeah. And then sometimes you're going, what can I learn from them as a parent? Yeah. Some of these other adults, but then also what can my kids learn and, and putting them around um, those adults. That's what all of them, um, all these books, they kind of go back, like you said, to relationships and community. Yeah. And even finding other families that you like to hang out with, you know? Yeah. Just like a few, couple, few podcasts ago with the Glucks yep. and they're talking about, about that. who yep. are those that are helping to draw one closer to Christ versus maybe pulling away and so on. Yep. So yep. these yep. are important things to yeah. consider. And it means being proactive as a parent. Yeah. And which is, which again, like a lot of these things, I think they intimidate us as parents. And then we also wonder about, do we have the time? And that's where like, we, you know, we want to encourage you one, we believe in you. And then also that, um, this is the, the faith and the, and the legacy of your kids. And so it is worth your time to ask these questions to, to, if you know, if you need those kind of families to seek those out, we have ways here at Bridgeway to try to at least create organic ways for you to meet people other families that are like-minded so that you can find that connection. We can't make your friends for you, <laughs> but we can at least create those bridges. Oh, Bridgeway. Yeah. Um, Whoa. And, so, <laughs> and uh, that's that was a little cheesy, but it was uh, good. Like the missional communities. I mean, these, these are a great thing. I know that there, there's a missional community for high school parents. There is. And yep. they meet on the second and fourth Wednesday and people can find out more about that. There's also one for homeschool older kids as well from middle school and high school. So, and these are ways that you as parents can get plugged in with other parents who are concerned about these kinds of things and learning how to disciple their kids through these kinds of times. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan, is there one last thing that you would, like if you could sit down, have a cup of coffee or a meal with a, a family, a couple, and and you would want to, the, the core things that you would want to tell them about the Exodus, you know, so kind of almost like a overview again from last week. and. And then what's, what's before them? What, what can we start doing? What would you, what would you do to kind of crush it down to an essence? So I guess first and foremost, the, the Christian youth exodus, it, it, sadly, it is really happening. That's what the, a lot of the surveys and the data show. So it's not something that's just, oh, I've heard, I, I hear this anecdotal story about this one kid and this another one over here. So maybe it's just them. Well, it's actually pretty widespread, but there is something that we can do. And with the idea of starting early. I know that we're probably talking mostly to high school parents right now. So for those of you who have high schoolers and middle schoolers, starting even earlier than that, starting maybe when they're about fourth grade, starting to learn apologetics and how to reason and what what is a Christian worldview? What does that make up and so on? So understanding what are the foundational beliefs of Christianity. Many of us think, oh, I think I got those. Well, go on ahead and sit down and write them down. Yeah. And see how those compare with That's some good. of the early creeds. That's good. And then you can start to say, okay, hmm, I missed that one. Or, oh, I got those. Or if you got them, great. Now, how do you actually live those out? Now that you believe this, what does that mean? Hmm. So how can we model that? So recognizing that once you believe that, then that's going to cause us to behave in certain ways. Because again, what are those guiding principles as far as the first and second commandment that Christ gave us? as far as loving God with our heart's whole mind and then loving others, others as, as ourselves. So how do you live that out? And so we can, of course, see some of those fruits, right? And 
the fruits of the spirit and so on. Those are yep. some practical ways that we see that. I know you've talked about that some recently in the uh-huh. HSM. So these are some of the things that parents can start to look at to help identify what are the core foundational aspects? What are the things that we're going to make a priority as a family? What things do we maybe need to cut out and no longer focus on so much as has been discussed recently? Mm-hmm. Who are those that are actually helping us to draw closer to Christ, those friendships and other influences? Looking at those things and really considering them, having that downtime to contemplate these things, giving our kids that opportunity to have downtime so that they don't have all these distractions preventing that from occurring. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. See, so yeah, you could sit down for a cup of coffee. You can get it all in one sitting. There you go. <laughs> and then much more. And then much more. Because <laughs> what's good is that Ryan has a lot more he could say. But it's, I'm, I'm finding it's always good when people ask me questions on stuff to go, okay, how would you crash it down into like one thought? Because it's hard. It is. You did it really very hard. well. And thank so you. thank you. Good job. Well, uh, that is it for this episode of Engaging Parenting. Thank you, Ryan, for for joining us for two episodes. It's just really good for us to talk about this idea of youth exodus. As always, if you as a parent have questions for Pastor Matt or I or a topic that you want us to talk about on this podcast, please email matt at mbach at bridgeway.church or myself at cwoodward at bridgeway.church. Can't wait to talk about the next topic on Engaging Parenting. Thank you for listening to the Engaging Parenting Podcast, hosted by Pastor Matt Bach and Pastor Cliff Woodward, presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. For more information about Bridgeway and other content, visit bridgeway.church.